Hello, friends. We've talked before on this program about Celebed, the mattress for single people. We certainly have, Ben. But the fact is, we know Celebed isn't for everyone. Some people want it, but can't have it. And some people have it, but don't want it. And we've had a lot of married couples write in to say that they miss the comfort, the convenience, and the lack of expense that were all part and parcel of the Celebed. I've got some great news for them, because now the makers of Celebed have developed a new bed for married people. The Sterilla Bed. The Sterilla Bed. Perfect for couples who think two's company, but three would be a crowd. Not all couples are in a position to have children. Uh, what with their careers. Or their income level. Or their commitment to sustainability. Or commitment to gospel-centered service. Seeing all the cities of Western Europe. Playing Settlers of Catan. Shape note singing. Enjoying delicious breakfast cereals. Taking old t-shirts and sewing them into delightful quilts. Falconing. The fact is, there are a lot of good reasons not to have children. So many! And that's where the Sterilla Bed comes in. The Sterilla Bed mattress is actually made of three layers. First, you've got our regular foam, engineered for maximum core support. Second, there's memory foam for a uniquely soothing and cooling comfort. But what really sets the Sterilla Bed apart from our other products, Nathan, is that final layer. Depleted uranium. Depleted uranium, perfect for ensuring that your marriage will remain hassle-free for years to come. You'll be able to spend your time and money spreading the gospel far and wide. In Paris or Vienna. Or a luxury cruise to Antarctica. So many doors and opportunities open to you because of the Sterilla bed. But Nathan, I can hear one of our listeners asking, what if my wife doesn't want a Sterilla bed? What if she'd rather get a marriage bed and maybe a crib for a new baby or something? (laughs) That's okay, Ben. Just tell her that the Sterilla bed is what's good for your lifestyle and income right now. You can always trade it in for a more traditional marriage bed and a crib or something later on down the road. Uranium, a forgiving substance. Many wives may not like the Sterilla bed at first, but they'll come to accept it over time. If, if you just, as a husband, make it clear that that's really all you're interested in. And we should mention, Nathan, that the Sterilla bed is getting great reviews in society at large and from the mainstream media. It's getting so that your wife will almost feel ashamed to want anything else. Well, let's not be sexist here, Nathan. Sometimes it's the husband who doesn't understand that the Sterilla bed's the responsible choice. Wives need to tell their husbands that the restful sleep they get on the Sterilla bed is exactly what allows them to maximize the giftings and callings they have, free of all those little distractions. The Sterilla bed empowers women. For some reason. What? How? It just does. That's right. Be a leader, not a breeder. The Sterilla bed. Turn your fruitfulness into free time. What does that even mean, Ben? I have no idea. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. The sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host, a servant of the people, if ever there was one, and an agent of sanity himself, a slave to the people. We've got Benjamin J. Solzer. How you doing, Ben? Good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thank you. And even finer, now that I'm introducing our good friend, Pastor Jacob Mensel, the master 
of the people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bow to me, all ye people. <laughs> I am your master. Love him and despair, folks. <laughs> uh, let's get right into it, guys. We are going to talk today about an article from a website that is on the internet, which I am aware of. Christ and Pop Culture, that is the website. And tell us about this article, Ben, from Christ and Pop Culture, the website. Nathan, this article is called, We Can't All Be Hawkeye, colon, On Choosing Childlessness. <laughs> Did you guys feel that shiver as man? We, 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 I, I believe we might be talking about Earth's mightiest heroes here. This might be, is this like about Avengers 4 or something? I don't know. I don't know. We'll on. find out in a post-Thanos universe. You okay. know, there could be a lot of things that hard choices to make. So this article is called, once again, Ben. We can't all be Hawkeye on choosing childlessness. And that is... Just to be clear, because this is Christ in pop culture, so that, that that would be Hawkeye, like the Avengers Hawkeye? Like the Avengers Hawkeye. Yeah, because he has kids. Oh, yeah. Like three of them. You know, I totally support your avenging. I couldn't be prouder. But I see those guys, those gods. You don't think they need me? I think they do, which is a lot scarier. So I guess... Christ in pop culture, Hawkeye would fall under the pop culture part of that website's purview, I suppose. This article, who wrote this article? Uh, it's by Allison Barron. Jake, tell us all about Allison Barron. <clears throat> Allison Barron's byline says that she is, quote, the executive editor of Area of Effect magazine co-host of the Infinity Plus One podcast and staff writer for Christ and Pop Culture. When she's not writing, designing, or editing, she is usually preoccupied in Hyrule, Middle Earth, or a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars! Hashtag things that I've heard of. She sounds like a cool, nerdy kind of chick, huh? Yeah. Nathan, we talk about pop culture a lot. Jake, I don't talk about any of that stuff. I'm a strong, silent type, like Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Okay, so... Point is, we don't mind Christ and pop culture talking about pop culture, right? Jake, if we did, that would make us more hypocritical than Chancellor Palpatine when he called for a vote of no confidence against Chancellor Valorum. That is absolutely right, Ben. I couldn't have put it better myself. I know. Tell us about this article by Miss Allison Barron. It's called again, Can't All Be Hawkeye on Choosing Childlessness. Childlessness, right. Okay, so I'll quote the beginning here. Quote! We're not planning to have children. It's weird the variety of responses this statement elicits, acceptance, disbelief, hostility, even condemnation, and sometimes from total strangers. Apparently, childlessness is not considered a valid option in our society. I know, because the reactions to the decision my fiance and I made together have sent me spinning to understand why. So she's, she's ascertained for us that childlessness, not a valid option, society-wide. She continues, quote, There are various reasons women are choosing not to have children, from being environmentally conscious, mm. to lack of resources, to putting careers first, to a disability making child-rearing difficult. So why is this choice seen as so uncommon and wrong? Why do so many outsiders feel the need to correct the childlessness they encounter? Uh, this website is called Christ and Pop Culture, right? I'm, I'm not really hearing too much of either one so far. Well, allow me to read on, uncertain host. Uh, let's see, quote, 
the expectation to have kids is everywhere, even in beloved pop culture. In Jurassic World, Claire tells her sister she's unlikely to have children, and her sister insists that she will, responding, it's worth it. These stories perpetuate the idea that women don't really know what they're saying when they voice their disinterest in having children. See, man, she's totally got us. Mm. Jurassic World, that beloved piece of pop that culture. That beloved piece of pop culture. I don't know what's scarier in that film, the rampaging uber dinosaur or the outdated notions regarding child rearing. It is a coin toss for sure. Uh, Miss Barra now in this article, she quotes a certain Zha Zha Yang from Relevant Magazine. This is the quote from Zha Zha Yang as quoted in this article by uh, Miss Barron. Some of us, quote, some of us don't even pause to consider what a life without children could be like before hopping on the one-way train to motherhood, potentially leading to a resentful and broken relationship between mother and child, unquote. You gotta be careful about that one-way train. Man, yeah. Uh, Barron goes on to say, quote, the assumption that everyone should have children is dangerous because not everyone should. The argument that even if you don't love kids now, you'll love them once they're yours isn't universally true. Cool. Uh, what's the proof of that? Baron immediately talks about a victim of child abuse who doesn't want kids. Okay, so she's like implicitly arguing that the normal should be arranged to accommodate the abnormal, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Well, it's kind of here and there. Well, that's not her only example. So she goes on to talk about herself. Quote, for reasons involving my health and work as a missionary, I realized it may not be the best choice for me. I'm actually thankful I remained single so long because if I had married young, I'd probably be living a life unfitting to my goals, personality, health issues, and biblical strengths. I get to impact a lot of people in my current position. I am able to help a fledgling ministry find its feet. I am also able to work when I can and rest when my body conks out. Well, that's good. Um, well, does she address, like, what about Christians that believe, like, what Christians have always believed that children are kind of awesome and a blessing of God and does the article address any of that? <clears throat> Never fear, Nathan. She devastates those arguments with a spin of her Hyrulean master sword. Do tell, sir. Do tell. So in the article, Baron uh, references a, a different article written at CBMW called What If I Don't Want Babies, where a 29-year-old female rights to CBMW says, is it right to go into marriage with no intention to have children? CBMW, by the way, Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. That's right. Now, the person who wrote this article says things like, quote, while we're free in Christ to choose marriage or celibate service for his glory, Christian marriage is a calling that includes an openness to the babies people around us say are optional. Barron responds to that by saying that that's, quote, grossly misinterpreting the Bible. She says the whole response is appalling. She goes on to talk about things in the article like this quote, biological fruitfulness is the reward for obedience, end quote. Uh, her response to that is that this is prosperity gospel nonsense. And prosperity that's a, gospel nonsense. That's Actually, those quote. are a direct quote, yeah. Yeah, and then she goes on to say children are not God's reward for our good works and saying so. Diminishes the longing of men and women who want children but can't have them, suggesting if they just had more faith, they'd be bouncing babies on their knees right now. Let's just, let me just read that again. Uh, this is a direct quote from the article. Children are not God's reward for our good works, and saying so diminishes the longing of men and women who want children but can't have them, suggesting if they just had more faith, they would be bouncing babies on their knees right now, unquote. Can I just stop right there and say, I find that to be just a, a tad passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive, Nathan? What on earth do you mean by that? 
Yeah, Nathan, <laughs> what's passive-aggressive about bringing up all the sad people who can't have children? Yeah, and, and using them as a stick to beat people over the head who dare say that children maybe might be a blessing. <sighs> you guys are right. It's not passive-aggressive at all. They probably don't even have passive-aggressivity in the beautiful land of Hyrule. <laughs> anyway, this article keeps on going. So Does I'm going to keep ever. quoting yes, from it. Yes, quote, yeah. quote away, oh, man. man. So, quote, Adam and Eve were told by God to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 128. Mm -hmm. A directive that has already been achieved. Yay! They were fruitful. The earth has been filled as anyone looking at our population and its stress on our available resources can attest. Boo. In the article, she quotes a woman named Susan Brooke, uh, who says this, In the Bible, children are considered a blessing, and the barren are made to feel less fortunate. None of these, however, is a statement of God's dictating that all must have children if they're able to. Otherwise, Paul would have felt wrong choosing singleness. And then the coup de gras. Quote, Viewing children as the meaning of life also ignores our actual purpose in existence, to be in relationship with God. We are not simply loose threads if we remain childless. And Jesus did not die on the cross so we could have children. He died to demonstrate his love for us, to redeem us, unquote. Guys, I just have to say that uh, reading this article has made me feel the need to apologize to well, you. Why is that, Jake? Oh. Well, it, it just had never occurred to me until now that how my seven children and the joy I take in them might make you guys feel like loose threads. What with your, you know, zero children. One, two, three. He's right, Ben. We do have zero children. Good grief. We are loose, loose threads. threads, and Jake's fruitfulness has Ugh, exposed us. Been a bit of a slap in the face, uh, really. Yep. I forgive you, Jake. Well, thank you, Ben. I also forgive you, Jake. Oh, thank you, Nathan. For making us feel like loose threads. Yep. But speaking of loose threads. What happened to the? This is an article for Christ and Pop Culture. I guess we got the 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 former. What about the latter? Where's the pop culture? Uh, yeah, she's getting to it. Quote: The Avengers serve as a useful analogy for First Corinthians twelve. <laughs> I just want to stop you right there. So uh, that's an actual sentence from this article. That is an actual sentence from this article. That might be my favorite sentence that anyone has ever written. Can we just hear that again one more time, please? Sure. Yeah. The Avengers serve as a useful analogy for First Corinthians twelve. Fantastic which talks about different types of people contributing to the work of God. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Every member of the superhero team brings different strengths to the table. And you'll note, only one of them, Hawkeye, has children. A reality that probably makes it more difficult for him to risk his life for the world's sake. I'd just like to reiterate, that's an actual quote from the article, as is the thing I'm about to read. Quote, I admire Hawkeye for choosing to save the world and have a family. I admire his family for dealing with the stress and worry that must entail. But... I also love Thor, Hulk, Scarlet Witch, and the rest of the team for the different strengths they bring. And notably, Hawkeye <laughs> and, and notably, Hawkeye doesn't contemn the others because their lives look different from his. Oh wow, Man. that's extremely notable. It is yeah, glad it really is. Joss Whedon made sure to keep Hawkeye from looking down his nose at everybody else. So <laughs> eminently notable. Uh, all right, so the article concludes. Quote, I question what the world would look like if childlessness was viewed not as a problem to be solved, but an opportunity to serve God and people in other ways. If you have children, I celebrate with you. If you don't, but long for them, I mourn with you. If you desire marriage, but don't want kids, I understand. And I think God does too. <laughs> there are many ways to have an impact on the world, to serve God and others. <laughs> Having children is only one of them. <laughs> 
Having children is only one of them. We can't all be Hawkeye, nor should we be. (laughs) That's it. Stirring words. Well, guys, I guess if people haven't been able to figure out from the somewhat snarky tone we adopted, I don't think we're too overly fond of the notions being expounded. Jake, true or false? True, Nathan. Mm, Well, how would you respond to Miss Barron in a word or in several words strung together (laughs) into sentences to offer an appropriate response? In a word, Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's pretty dopey and sentimental and actually doesn't make a lot of arguments. Arguing against it is a little bit like trying to nail down jello or something because she doesn't yeah. actually give you a lot of concrete stuff to worry or to besides how certain people feel and some avengers analogies she feels and stuff like, like she could better serve god by not having children and that she doesn't need to be open to children while being married and that's just i mean one it's unbiblical mm-hmm. and two it's impractical mm-hmm. like unless what she means is that she is never she never intends to be intimate with her husband mm-hmm. or that she's completely open to having an abortion. To say that you can be married without being open to the possibility of children is just nonsense. To say that you can be sexually active Hmm. without being open to the possibility of children is nonsense. Yeah, Jake, I I just really think it's, oh my stars, the devil's advocacy alarm. Oh no, oh no, oh no, (laughs) who could? Say it isn't so. Say it isn't so. Didn't see that coming. It's the devil's advocacy alarm. Jake, what happens during this segment of the show? Well, one of us is forced, has their arm twisted Mm -hmm. into taking against their will the opposite point of view to keep Mm -hmm. us honest in our fight here. Yep, yep, yep. And I think the person for the job today is me. The unmarried man currently in a childless state, someone who's felt oppressed by you know, wait, you know. I was about to go into some of my trademark Nathan irony or whatever, but that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and play this role straight, do a credible job of being the devil. So here I go. I think one of the best things that she actually said, Miss Barron said in this article, Adam and Eve were told by God to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's in Genesis 1:28, And the earth is pretty full, guys. You have that mandate back in the Old Testament. We have a similar mandate in the New Testament. It's called the Great Commission. And we're supposed to bring people into the second birth. We are looking to make children of God. That is the mandate given to Christians in a uh, world after Christ came. This is exactly what she's talking about. If you just take a step back from it and for, for forget about some of the cultural stuff, but, but just look at what she's actually arguing, big picture, you see what she's saying is we are called to bring our lives into conformity with Christ and to spread the gospel to people. That is the Great Commission. That is to be the primary focus. And there's all kinds no, of... No, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. What? Just because the Great Commission echoes the cultural mandate doesn't mean that it replaces it. Doesn't mean that it's opposed to it. Turns out they actually work in harmony with one another. Okay. There's no place anywhere in scripture where the cultural mandate given to Adam and Eve and therefore through them to all of their children, there's no place where that's taken away. There's no place where that's nullified or abrogated, as the theologians say. It's part of what it means to be human. Yeah, and if you if you have kids, your kids are holy to the Lord and you get to raise them in the Lord to fear him, which makes more Christians by God's grace 
Now, Jake, would you consider the Apostle Paul to be part of the canonical scriptures, the inspired word of God? Yeah, his letters are inspired word of God. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, the present form of the world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. This is Paul speaking. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is, is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Now, I realize that that doesn't speak specifically about children right there. But it seems to me that while Paul is giving freedom, he's also being, for lack of a better word, very pragmatic there about the best ways to serve the Lord. And that's the kind of thinking that seems to me to be reflected in Mrs. Barron's article, where she's just saying, and I think rightfully saying, do what is going to be best to serve the Lord. To and, And, you know, for a lot of people, that actually can be not having children. Yeah, but you need to be as, if you're going to go there, you need to be as pragmatic as the Apostle Paul was, which is to draw a very clear division between married and unmarried. It, it, mm-hmm. The question isn't children or no children, it's married or unmarried, and that's for a reason. The married man or the married woman has to be concerned about the things of this world. And that includes the children that they ought to have and inevitably will have. It doesn't include a, a possibility of a, a married future without children. That's not what he's making provision for. He's saying, if you want to be devoted to the Lord, remain unmarried. That's exactly how he says to go about it. You want to be re- remain free from the burdens and cares of this world so you can be devoted to the, wor- to the Lord, and you're able to do that, be chaste, be unmarried, and give yourself wholly to the Lord. Unless you burn, and then go ahead and be married. Yeah. But children never enter into the equation. In fact, he's not stupid. If he wanted to, he could tell them, be married, take care of the burning, but don't have kids because that'll distract from your service to the Lord. But he never goes there. He never says anything like that. Why? Because children are part of marriage. What Jesus actually does say is that there are very few people who are capable and who are are given the ability to remain unmarried and therefore be chaste in devotion to the Lord. There are very few who are able to be eunuchs, true eunuchs for the kingdom of God. You guys are assuming this inextricable link between marriage and children. We obviously know that that's not the case. We know it's not the case today. It doesn't actually take abortion in every case, as you alluded to earlier, to prevent children. There are ways of doing it without committing murder. King Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. How many wives do you have? Just one. How many concubines? (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Zero. Do you think that the scripture allows for or prescribes you to be able to have more than one wife? Do you think that you could have a few if you wanted them? From the beginning, it was not so. He made them male and female. Yes, I understand. So do you therefore acknowledge that there are things in the Bible that are descriptive without being proscriptive? Yes, that the I, Bible yeah, can I dis- freely admit that. The Bible, yes. the Bible can, can acknowledge certain realities, can describe certain things without actually making them into commands. So do, do you mean like a statement like, children are a blessing from the Lord, the fruit of the womb reward? Because that seems to describe a norm and a positive thing. A norm and a positive thing, yes, that may not be the norm for everyone. And as our society has it's changed... It's not the norm for everyone, and Scripture makes clear who that norm is for. It is the norm for those who are 
who are married. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is, okay, fine, I acknowledge it's a norm, it's a blessing, it's good. Children are great, God gives them to us as a reward. I think when you get all snarky about an article like this, you're really overstating your case because what you guys want to do is take something that is a blessing and make it into a command. You haven't quite come out and said that yet. We're on the not episode. the ones making it into a command. God made it into a command, actually. Me, yeah, actually. And Be I, fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Which is a very general command. That, to all of humanity. That's right. So and, me and Ben are sinning because we're not married and we, are, we aren't having kids. No, no if we were, we're married not and not having kids. If we were married and not having kids, that's the idea. Is that but you I'm not being be, fruitful. I'm not multiplying. I've, I'm multiplying times one. There are men who aren't married, and there are men who aren't married just for a season, and then there are those who are eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Those two categories aren't sinning, although maybe you and I aren't married because of sin, aren't married yet because of sin in our lives so far. So I, there's you know, a big picture command of God that applies right. to me that I have absolutely no way to fulfill or obey right now in my life. No, the way that you fulfill and obey that command is by pursuing the possibility of a wife in marriage and by being a, a godly man who takes responsibility in your church, who is a spiritual father to the to those around him and who okay, is so faithfully not, pursuing obedience to God in every aspect of his life. So it sounds like I, there's a lot of different ways to obey this command. And she's simply in this article describing her way, her, her and her husband. No, she's no, it, specifically in this article describing her way of disobeying this command. That's right, because all the obedience that Jake is talking about still tends towards fruitfulness. You, you would still be aiming towards fruitfulness if you were pursuing a wife being faithful in the church, your aim would be a fruitful marriage. If she does her missionary work well, I don't know what her work is, but we can surely conceive of a reality where if she does her work well, if she writes her articles, if she supports God's church, if he, she does the work of the gospel, she is tending society, she is tending the people around us yeah. towards fruitfulness Except without actually having to pop a baby out every nine months. The work of God. Nobody of said she had obedience. to pop a baby out every nine months. What she's doing is she's making herself sterile in exactly the place where God's commanded her and made her as a woman to be fruitful and fertile. So are me and Ben making ourselves, uh, am I making myself sterile in the way that God's... That's a bogus argument. That's garbage. No, you're not making yourself sterile. You're working towards, you're, you're serving the church and you're working towards marriage. That means growing in godliness and pursuing wives. You have one verse, a verse that is a cosmic general foundational cosmic verse foundational command from the beginning of that creation. there's a lot of different ways to obey and you want to make it into this really specific thing where most people have to go out, get married, have as many kids as possible. And it's just like, where's your, where's your scripture? I if, mean, if you if if you make us un, if you make us unable to actually say, hey, this is a norm, and it holds up as a norm throughout scripture, and it explains the way that scripture talks about kid, kids continually. We've had, we've had two thousand years. We've had two thousand years of people saying it's the norm. Everybody knows it's the norm. Our society, even our godless pagan twenty-first century American society, basically knows it's the norm. Avengers acknowledges it's the norm. How I Met Your Mother. She talks about other things. You watch TV shows. You know they, they people have kids. It's basically the norm. Everybody knows it's the norm. Now, if we just want to make a little bit of space, if she wants to make some space in this article for people to obey God in different ways, to have special callings, I really 
don't see why you have to be so snarky and beat down on that. Because it's in disobedience. (laughs) It's in disobedience to the norm that is in disobedience to God. And she is directly saying that the norm does not apply to her and she doesn't give a biblical reason that it doesn't apply. The biblical reason is she's a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven, so to speak, in the sense a woman is to be. She's going to be single, going to be unmarried, and she's not going to... Except she's not. Except that's right. She's not. Let me, I just want to bring up one, one, you you keep saying that the only scripture we have that's a norm or anything approaching a command. (laughs) Is this great cosmic foundational one given at the beginning of creation to all of mankind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Uh, repeat it again. (laughs) Repeat it again. And again. I just want to, I just Never mind that. This one obscure place in scripture. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to, I just want to read something from 1 Timothy. Okay, 1 Timothy 5. Paul's talking about widows. Mm. And he says in verse 14, after talking for a while about, you know, the list of widows in the church and stuff and how the character widows have to have, he says, verse 14, Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. And... So ben, he, let me let me just ask, what, just, what you take from ahead. that Or is, just above that in First Timothy 2, she will be saved through children. not having children, but by serving the Lord alongside her husband. Oh, while remaining barren and fruitless. No, 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 we're getting into some deep theology here. Oh, yeah, that's so deep. <laughs> the theology's really deep right there. Are you are you uh, giving us a works-based theology, Pastor Menzel? Women must have... The, the verse, for those who don't know, is she will be saved through childbearing. Now, are you expositing that? Are, are, are you telling us that women must have children in order to go to heaven? They will go to hell if they don't go to... Is that is that how you interpret that verse? <sighs> if you die, if you were to drop dead right now, your wife would... I think we can all acknowledge, be a young widow. She is sinning against the Lord. She is disobeying the commands of God because the only way that we can possibly interpret that verse is that she must get married and bear some more children or she is disobeying God. In other words, you guys can find a lot of verses like that. I freely acknowledge it. You cannot find any explicit commands. You can just find I some I just stuff read you an explicit command. I just read you an explicit command. So you're command saying that widows. Mrs. Menzel must become Mrs. Brown and they must have children together or she is disobeying God. That's correct. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm saying that... that, that, that uh, so the she fact- can't find a man. No man uh, wants to marry her. She is disobeying God. She's not if she's not married, man. You're not supposed to have children She's a young of widow. She's, if she's a young widow, then she should try to get married. And it's, it's God's responsibility to provide her a husband. And in some situations, I'm sure young widows are left without husbands because there's not a suitable husband around. So you really do just believe that everything for a woman is having kids. You really just do believe if you're not finding some way to pop those kids out, then you're not obeying God if if you're a lady. It's it's like you're talking about janitors and you're like, so you really just believe that everything for a janitor is scrubbing toilets. Yeah, that's that's all there is for women. That's a beautiful analogy. That's a beautiful (laughs) analogy for the the glories of womanhood. Let's just let's just denigrate. Let's just denigrate motherhood, Nathan. (laughs) That's what you did. No, no, no. That's what you just did. So, 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 okay. I I apologize. I shouldn't have said pop out kids. You really do think that childbearing is just the one thing that, 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 that let's talk about Mrs. Barron. She is. Oh, disobeying God. Yes. She is doing the she wrong is. thing. Right. She, she is, is not right. obeying the sexuality that, that God gave her. That's right. Because she is not having children. She's refusing yeah. to have children. She's, and she's making and she's, her she's womb. She's proclaiming it. She's making the womb God gave her sterile in the context 
that God has created for fruitfulness. And when people right. are, she is sterile. She is, she is. When people are sterile for medical reasons, then let's just follow the logic. They are being punished by God. They are being denied blessings. God is. I just want to make sure they are in fact being disciplined by God. Yeah, they are. And it's sad. And it's a consequence of the fall and maybe the Lord's direct discipline in their life like he disciplined Michael in scripture and maybe just you know like with Sarah God has a, a purpose right or maybe maybe it's like when the disciples asked or Jesus Hannah. why was this man born blind was to it because glorify. he or his parents sinned no just so that God could be glorified so I just want to make it very clear because you guys can dress it up any number of ways but if you know, I, I, I'm really not even going to argue against it. I, I just want people to be absolutely clear about what you're arguing. What what you're saying is that the way that a woman defines her worth before God is through bearing children. That's it. That's what young widow just needs to get married, have more children. That's what I think you guys are basically saying. And we can dress it up in any language we want. Right? We can dress it up in any language we want. Here's the thing. Technology has moved on. We are actually not living in the same world that the Apostle Paul lived in, that Jesus lived in. Things are actually different now. It is actually possible in a way that it hasn't been historically to obey the commands of God in such a way that we can get married, that we can help each other not to burn with sexual lust, and that there won't necessarily be children and we can give ourselves to the service of God in other ways. And I don't see why we have to be so hardcore about saying everything on this side of the line is wrong. Everything on this side of the line is right. You know, if you're not just embracing children as as the thing, then you're doing something wrong. It seems to me that that's not the direction that the Apostle Paul actually took his ministry or advised people to take their ministries. It seems to me that there's a lot of different ways that we can fulfill both the Genesis 1 and the Great Commission, and people are called to different things, and that's all she's talking about. And for you guys to want to just jump down her throat and pretend like it's all ridiculous and there's not actually a more nuanced way to approach this whole thing is ridiculous. And that's my case. Well, Devil, you make some absurd and ridiculous points. <laughs> but we'll come back and answer them anyway. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I was hoping you would. Because <laughs> I thought they were pretty some absurd. Inc- incredibly unfair. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm just trying to be a no, good, good. good Devil's Advocate. <laughs> the alarm went off. I tell you every week to uninstall the darn thing, Ben. Okay, let's go to... Um, you tell Q Sulcer to do it, and that man can't be relied on to well, fill up the tank know, of gas properly. They look very similar. <laughs> uh, well, guys, we've talked a lot about the theological and the the moral ramifications of this article. We haven't really talked about the Avengers of it all, all that much. Obviously, this article is uh, based on the, the great film Avengers Age of Ultron. And as a matter of fact, Jake, our good friends, Brandon Chastine and Anna Chastine, I think it's on TV tonight. They, they, they probably got done watching it just, just about now. I wonder if they're processing it in much the same way that Mrs. Barron processed that movie. That is such a good question, Jake. Yeah, that question is right on target because uh, Hawkeye shoots arrows into targets and uh, why don't you cut now? I don't know which I like better. Watching my favorite film, Avengers Age of Ultron, or doing it snuggled on the couch with my lovely wife. 
I think you must be Hawkeye, darling. Why is that, Moonshare? Firstly, because you look so good in a sleeveless vest. You're too kind, love. And secondly, because you shot an arrow into my heart. You know, dearest, there's another way I could be like Hawkeye. I couldn't help but notice all the children he had. Yes, darling. Is there any film that better sums up Psalm 127's words that children are a gift of the Lord? Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. I love it when you quote scripture, Mona Moore. A warrior like Hawkeye. Or like you. Yes, let's have another baby, darling. Thank you, Avengers Age of Ultron. Hold it right there. Captain Sanity. That's right, it is I, Captain Sanity. Captain Sanity, there aren't illegal possum hunters in the woods again, are there? Why, no, good citizen. You're not here to talk to the children again about using non-disposable drinking straws at school. Not at all, madam. In fact, let's just say someone may have used his heat vision to burn down the local disposable straw factory with the company's chief executives locked inside. Wait, who did that? Nobody knows. If only I'd been there to stop it. Captain Sanity, why are you winking? What? Uh, I wasn't winking. I have something in my eye. What brings you here, Captain Sanity? Well, good citizen, I was contemplating in the Fortress of Sanity when suddenly, what should I hear? But the sound of humorous quips being exchanged, robots being destroyed, and the sad death of a bullet-riddled speedster. In short, Avengers Age of Ultron was being watched. In this very home, unless my super hearing deceives me. Not at all, Captain Sanity. We often enjoy watching the action-packed, thematically rich tale of the Earth's mightiest heroes facing off against a robot gone wrong. Ah, yes. The pathos of the Scarlet Witch. The madness of the Hulk. The unstained innocence of Vision. And the heedless ignorance of Hawkeye. But Hawkeye is our favorite character. In fact, we were just... Yes. I heard that, too. Should you be listening in on people's private? It's for your own good. Also, sometimes I forget to put in my sound-isolating superbuds. Okay, wait, so what's this about Hawkeye's heedless ignorance? What are you talking about, Captain Sandy? I'm glad you asked, Mrs. Chastine. May I call you Anna? Uh, no. When Avengers Age of Ultron first hit the silver screen in 2015, ordinary citizens like yourselves were blown away by the richness of its plotting, the wit of its dialogue, and the timeliness of the message. And yet, certain superior minds recognized that there was a flaw in this work of genius, a flaw that threatened to undermine not just the film, but civilization as we know it. Would it surprise you, dear citizens, to know that said flaw existed in the seemingly happy home of Hawkeye? But Hawkeye is our favorite character. Few would disagree with you, and fewer still would see the danger. What danger? The danger, madam? I'll tell you the danger. What if every woman in America thought like Hawkeye and Mrs. Hawkeye? What would become of us then? Women everywhere giving up their needs and desires and subjugating themselves to children. Children everywhere, madam. Children crawling over everything. Children draining our resources. Children crying and whining and sticking fine American products in light sockets. Children taxing our already overtaxed public school system beyond measure. Captain Sanity, children may be hard. But they're a blessing. No true fan of Avengers Age of Ultron would think otherwise. Very amusing. A blessing, yes. So is broccoli, but- Captain Sanity, 
children are a blessing from God. And they bear his image. Yes, my friends, and so did the good people of Sokovia. I ask you, would Earth's mightiest heroes have been able to save them from the perils of Ultron if they all had children to care for? That is a false dichotomy. Yeah, maybe instead of Captain Sanity, you should be called the false dichotomator. Very witty, dear. Thanks, darling. I submit to you, dear citizens, that it's time for the world to be done with Hawkeye. To finally embrace the awesomeness of Captain America and Hulk and Iron Man. I admire Hawkeye for choosing to save the world and have a family. I admire his family for dealing with the stress and worry that must entail. But I also love Thor, Hulk, Scarlet Witch, and the rest of the team for the different strengths they bring. And notably, note this well, citizen. Hawkeye doesn't condemn the others because their lives look different from his. What on earth are you talking about? Hawkeye is a true hero. He is a quiver full of not just arrows, but children. And you're telling me that Iron Man does not have children? What would you call his suits of armor if not his children? Okay, and I suppose that Captain America has children because he gives birth to new patriots. Now you're on the trolley. Ah, if only there were a way to end the subjugation of American wives everywhere and hold back the nefarious plague of evil that Josh Whedon unwittingly released Tony Stark-style upon the earth. Nefarious plague of evil? You mean children? Overpopulation is no laughing matter, ma'am. It's not like we can just snap our fingers and solve the problem. Though obviously, that would be sweet. You do realize you sound exactly like a certain big purple psychotic supervillain, don't you? Barney the Dinosaur? 100% fictional, I assure you. Oh shoot, one of the kids is up. Madam, you have children? Yeah, five of them. Just as Avengers Age of Ultron intended. I'm too late, curse you, Hawkeye. Well, farewell, citizens. Wait, Captain Sanity, what about the broken window? I'm always happy to stimulate the local economy by breaking people's windows. Captain Sanity, that's literally an economic fallacy. It's... (sighs) Well, hon, what do you make of that? I don't care about stupid old Captain Sanity. (laughs) More like Captain Insanity. Oh, darling, you're almost as witty as the screenplay for Avengers Age of Ultron. You know something? The only superhero I care about is my Hawkeye. I think you mean our Hawkeye, dear. Oh, Brandon. Okay, guys, I'm just going to make a little confession. I don't know that I've felt more slimy playing the devil. Everything I was saying was just a lie. (laughs) (laughs) the, the, The way to lie well sometimes when you don't have any more meat to work with for your lie is to just lie loudly so <laughs> that's what i was that's what i was kind of doing there my favorite part was the part where you tried to act like the creation mandate mandate was just <laughs> this one obscure verse that's happened to be in our pockets <laughs> well here's the thing about it the utility of the devil is sometimes to let us talk our way through sophisticated arguments that people make. I don't find the arguments that people make. If you're willing to look at the Bible and you're willing to obey the Bible, I don't find the arguments against it to be all that sophisticated, which is why the devil wasn't all that sophisticated. What the devil did do is try and hit us all in the feels and make us feel like patriarchal monsters for even going there for even trying to put all these Bible verses together and figure out what they say and obey them. So what do we do with that? How do we actually respond to the devil? 
The first step towards being a faithful biblical Christian is being willing to actually accept what the Bible says clearly and plainly. Mm-hmm. And that begins with the book of Genesis and God telling us how he made us and what mm-hmm. he made us for. And he made man to bear his image and commanded us to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it. And so just being good men and women who fulfill God's intended creative purposes is sort of foundational to that. Mm-hmm. And denying that is to be not just in rebellion against the clear commands of scripture, but in rebellion against nature, against the way that God made us. God made men to work. God made women to be helpers and to be life givers. And so basic fundamental anthropology, men and women are made for one another. They're made to be married. They're made to bear children. And so that's what we're supposed to do. To be, as the person in the article puts it, that Baron was responding to, to be married is to be open to children. You can't have the one without the other. And you shouldn't. Those verses in Timothy about women will be saved through childbearing, there's a correlation for men. When Adam and Eve sin at the fall, uh, we're cursed. And we're cursed according to our sex. And so what it says for men is that our work will be futile. And what it says for women is that there will be pain in childbearing. And so one of the most sanctifying things for a man is for him to work and till the soil and to subdue the earth mm-hmm. and face up against the futility of that. And that's one of the most sanctifying things that a man can do with his life. A man's made for work. A man ought to work. A man ought to face up against the thorns and thistles of whatever field he's working in mm-hmm. and trust God with that. And that's a part of his sanctification and a part of him becoming godly. And it's very similar for a woman that for her facing up with the pains of of childbearing and bearing and raising children is one of the most sanctifying things that she can do. That's just a part of being godly. What Baron wants to do is deny herself, not just the blessings of children, but the pains, the responsibilities, the sanctifying work of bearing children in this world for something easier that feels to her more spiritual. But it's really about denying her sexuality, and it's about denying the way God made the world, and it's about denying God the fruit that he wants, and it's about living in rebellion against God and his purposes. And it's about fighting against the very things that will sanctify her and cause her to grow in godliness, things designed by God for that good work. Because clearly, that's what she needs. She's not even, though, appearing to be devoted to her husband, to be helpful to him in any way. That's not what she talks about as having anything to do with her work of service no, to the Lord. No, he's very incidental to the entire narrative. That Absolutely. She's it's about fulfilling her calling and her uh, fulfilling her ambitions and her, what's say, her biblical gifts or something her like that. Her calling, yeah. her gifting, mm-hmm. yeah. And and that's has to do with her job as a missionary. I mean, she doesn't explain what that is, but you know, she helps many people. Mm-hmm. But uh, but she does have time. We know from her byline, she does have time to play Legend of Zelda and watch some Star Wars and watch some uh, whatever the other thing was she mentioned. Some Zelda. Some, some Zelda. Zelda. She's got yeah. time for nerdy stuff. Which again, yeah. is, isn't in and of itself a bad right. thing. We deal with pop right. culture a lot on this show. It's fine. Yeah. But it's unself-aware. For sure. To put those things. And, and, and if, she if likes to play. Mm-hmm. If your mission involves 
I mean, here she is. She's a missionary. She helps people. Well, let's presume that she actually does, you know, that God uses her. Well, what she's doing here is directly unhelpful because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's teaching people to contradict the scripture <laughs> and mm-hmm. not to obey their sex. Mm-hmm. So she's also doing destructive work in public Yeah. with some authority, apparently. So the devil shouted at us pretty loudly that the scriptures were dumb. And I yeah. hear you guys saying, no, they're not. What about the shaming, though? Because the other, the part that I think we all in the room felt nastiest about, I certainly felt nastiest about playing it as the devil, and I know you guys felt nastiest about having it played against you, is just that shame, that, well, what are you saying? That every woman's a breeder? That kind of thing. That, that her only, what you said was like her only, oh, so her only, a woman's only worth comes from having a lot of kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just That's need to have saying. as many as possible. Be- and then the young widow needs to get married yesterday or she's not obeying God. What do you do with that when people... Well, my temptation is to just roll my eyes because the only way that you can actually say that or make that case is if you have absolutely no desire to be honest or to engage with me in any real mm-hmm. way whatsoever. You just, you've made up your mind and you're going to try to shut things down by telling a ridiculous lie. And so I don't know that there is any real way when somebody's so far gone to make that claim. I don't know if there's any real way to engage with them mm-hmm. except, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, I think what you have to do is realize that they're insane. They're actually insane. I don't know how you deal with it in terms of what you say to them. I suppose that varies from circumstance to circumstance. But in terms of how you deal with it in your own brain, it's like, this person just told me that grass is purple. Grass is green. You know, I mean, it's just like they can shout as loudly as they want, but their basic worldview that these things that God clearly calls blessings and clearly makes beautiful are ugly and stupid and worthless. There's just nothing. I don't know. What are you supposed to say when someone just tells you that up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left? Some people, you can explain things to them. Some people are signaling that they're just mockers and scoffers, and it's not going to be useful to try to argue with them or dialogue with them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at that point, there's only one place to go if if we're talking about a real person, and that's to real sin, because you're not having any kind of rational conversation with them, that's for sure. And they've signaled to you that they have zero intention of having any kind of rational conversation with you. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They're going to construe everything you say in the worst possible light. And so you go for the sin. Yeah, honestly, if I was really dealing with someone that was saying all the nasty things that I was saying before the break, my first thought would be, okay, so you got an abortion exactly. or you were abused exactly. somehow or you are an abuser. Like, what is it that makes your conscience feel so pricked about this that you have to just respond with this extreme vitriol? What What is behind this, actually? Because it's not in any way, shape, or form rational. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, too. If I were not talking to somebody playing a role, I would want to probe about abortion, about sexual abuse, about things like that. Or even just a guilty use of abortifacient contraceptives that only became a guilty use post-fact mm-hmm. when you discovered that the pills in abortifacient and you feel bad about 30 years of your life that you have to justify mm-hmm. or 10 years of your life you have to justify being on the pill and possibly killing several of your children. You know, that's the kind of thing that I would want to address. Okay, well, to sum it up, God loves fruitfulness. True or false, Jake? True. It's written into creation. Everything he made that lives, he made to bear fruit and to multiply. 
And so it's just a part of the fabric of how he made the world. It's something that, if you have eyes to see it, is celebrated all throughout Scripture, not just in men and women having children, but the world's a garden that we're made to till and make fruitful. And that's our job. Or it's a wilderness that we're meant to tame and turn into a garden and make fruitful. Husband it. And then God calls us to be fruitful, both in real life, uh, physically and spiritually, to bear fruit by having children and to bear fruit spiritually, uh, making disciples of the nations and calling them to him. Jesus is the first among many brothers. The goal of God in scripture is to bring glory to himself through the fruitfulness of his creation and his people. And so, yeah, it's all over the place. Sterility is, I mean, sterility is demonic. Yep. That about sums it up. I, I guess, let's see. What's the metaphor? A marriage that's not open to children is like, well, our pastor Tim Bailey said, I think on World Season 2 World We Made, he said it's like a tomato plant that doesn't bear any tomatoes. A fig tree that doesn't bear figs mm. that is cursed by Jesus for mm. not bearing fruit for yeah. its master. That would be good. What else? What else? It's like Odules. Non-alcoholic beer. Non-alcoholic beer. You could just say light beer. Light beer. Yeah. <laughs> or most American beers. What else is a marriage that's not open to children like Ben or Jake? Anyone? Anyone? It's like craft singles. Like craft singles. <laughs> it could be it could have been real cheese, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're still singles. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Hilarious. Oh boy. Nicely done. That's it. Nicely done. It's like Superman. It's like the plot of Superman 2. Superman goes in that chamber and he becomes just a wimpy guy that's just like us. It's like Superman wearing a kryptonite necklace for crying out loud. It's like... Uh, it's like a Star Wars movie mm-hmm. where Luke is an impotent wuss who's cut himself off from the force and of all all our roguish heroes engage in a great big circus plot of a plan that doesn't come to that was entirely pointless from the very beginning i mean it's like that who would want to see a star wars movie like that that, like or, or if yoda Burned down the Jedi Temple. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if Luke, or if Luke went to have you know his fruitful confrontation with the bad guy, but it turns out he was just force ghosting the whole thing. <laughs> that would be silly. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad that no one's made such an impotent. Nobody impetus. was that stupid, right? <laughs> I think we have indeed found the perfect metaphor for <laughs> <laughs> sterile marriages and Baron's terrible article. You know what, Nathan? I think one big problem with this episode is that we're busy destroying the things that we hate, like this article, this dumb <laughs> article. But you know what? Life, life is the church isn't going to be saved because we destroy what we hate, Nathan. It's going to be saved because we protect what we love. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to drive my spaceship into a a laser now. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more sanity for you. Well, Lance, sure is a nice hot day for some yard work. Chip, I think you mean it's a terrible sweltering day. Lance, I reckon you just don't care for yard work. When we got in that hot air balloon, it was a Faustian bargain indeed, Chip. You've not fulfilled the bargain yet, so mow and weed and rake and sweat 
Yes, sir, Mr. Dermatologist, Dermatologist, Dermatologist. I think this is a pretty reasonable price to pay for a hot air balloon, right? Don't you, Lance? Sorry, Chip. I can't hear you over the din of these horrible dang bees swarming around my face. Aren't the bees wonderful? When I constructed a hive out of styrofoam and abandoned driftwood, I never imagined it would produce such a robust colony. And how are my other two worker bees? Making lots of honey for your queen? Buzz, buzz, buzz. That lemonade for us, ma'am? You mean my freshly squeezed organic citrus water sweetened with only a hint of agave nectar? You may have a glass after a couple more laps with the mower. There's one thing I just don't understand. Why is dermatologist, dermatologist, dermatologist having us work in your yard instead of his? Well, Chip. (laughs) Oh, the pain that I've endured. I wish... I wish I'd been insured. When I sideswiped her little car, I never thought she'd go this far. Yes, well, do mind the petunias. I've given more than what is fair. I hope with this you'll call us square. (laughs) Well, we'll see how the shrubberies turn out, won't we? Say, Erica, how's little Ricky doing? Our Erica is flowering like those begonias that Mr. Redford is about to step on. Oh, I do apologize, Mrs. Rosebloom. She's in full bloom, all smiles and sunshine. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it, but I always thought Ricky was more of a weeping willow than a begonia. Well, Chip, I expect you spend more time thinking about the inner lives of possums than you do that of teenage girls. Actually, Matt and I are very pleased to see how especially happy she's been lately, how she's flowered. Hold it right there, citizens! It is I, Captain Sanity! What's this travesty I see before me? Captain Sanity! Mind the begonias! Oh, yes, ma'am, of course, I wouldn't, uh, um, anyhow. What's this travesty I see before me? Don't you fine citizens know that there are some fine electric lawn tools you could be using instead of these gasoline-powered mockeries of all that is good upon the earth? Why, it's our local superhero. From 1 to 10, I rate you zero. Dermatologist, dermatologist, dermatologist? I might have known you were behind all this. Your airy fairy schemes have damaged the ozone layer enough, you villain! The ozone layer will be fine without your interference, you swine. How dare you, fiend, ne'er do well, villain! Your SJW shenanigans are vanity. Is that all you've got, Captain Sanity? Your balloon isn't the only thing full of hot air, you monster. Who knows? Maybe some parts of you can be recycled, dermatologist. You like to recycle. I like to take up the trash. Sound of Sanity was produced by Nathan Alberson, engineered by Benjamin Solzer, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time, stay sane.